Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the weekly edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. My name is Andrew Dore, and I'm your host. It is Monday, February 21st, 2022. Before we get started today, I want to do my normal spiel just to remind everyone on behalf of my compliance department that what you are listening today should not be construed as individual financial advice, but instead as a discussion of what we see going on in the market. This is not going to include individual recommendations on securities trades. And before you do anything with this information, you should certainly talk to your financial advisor. With that in mind, let's dig in. So Monday, February 21st, it is President's Day. The markets are closed today. That might not be a bad thing, depending on what continues to happen in Ukraine. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, in the discussion today. We're also going to talk a lot more about inflation. You know, I, I, I feel like we're starting to repeat on some of the same issues, but they continue to be the big issues that are affecting and impacting the market. They were the issues that were affecting and impacting the market last week. Uh, the S&P was down last week about 3.5% and currently sits down about 8 and 3 quarters percent for the year, sitting at about 43.48. Interestingly enough, that's right at just slightly above the yearly low, which was uh, 43.26 back on January 26th. Why that is interesting is when you look at the chart, it really has been the tale of two dramas, if you will. The decline of the market at the beginning of the year was driven by inflation concerns and what the Fed was going to do on interest rates. After Chairman Powell's January 26th, 7th, I think it was, remarks, which we've talked about extensively, the market really took a breather. We started to see a little bit of a recovery. The second impetus in this was really the concern about Russia's potential invasion of Ukraine. And that has cost the S&P 500 uh, about 250 points in the last few weeks. So you can kind of see the chart. It goes down, it goes back up, it goes back down. But neither of these stories are going to go away quickly. But we would make an argument that as they go away, it's going to be, frankly, very positive, we think, uh, for the market and the economy over the long term. Now, who knows? By the time this podcast gets published, by the time our memo goes online, Putin could have launched an all-out invasion. There is certainly going to be volatility in the market when that happens. But there is a very compelling argument that we are getting to or getting through the worst of it in the market. Why? You've, you've heard us say this many times before. The market just hates uncertainty. They don't hate bad things. They hate being uncertain about whether or not those bad things are going to happen. And there's a lot of uncertainty today. When is the Fed going to raise rates? How much will they raise them by? How quickly will Putin invade? Is it going to be a small incursion or a full-on ground war? How is the West really going to respond? How will Rus Russia respond to the West reaction? No one knows the answers to those questions. People talk about it all day long on TV and on the internet, and they spout out their theories. There's a, this, is, this is a great time to be a quote-unquote economist on CNBC right now. There's a, there's a ton of drama, 
and no risk of being held accountable accountable uh, to that conversation. So these people are making a lot of money spouting a lot of stuff, but there's good news. The uncertainty that's causing the volatility, it is time-limited, at least on these two issues. There is a persuasive argument that coming out on the other side of these concerns could be quite positive for the market. So let's dig into why. The first is the Fed. You know, the market has tied itself up into knots over this conversation. I think we said it last week, are you as sick of hearing about it as we are of talking about it? Because we're getting sick of talking about it. But the market has convinced themselves, really, that the worst case scenario is going to happen. So I think we mentioned this two weeks ago, maybe. We mentioned BMO Harris and Goldman Sachs both coming out and saying they anticipated seven interest rate hikes over the course of this year. Well, what's very interesting, there's a great chart from the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which shows the expectations of the market for interest rate increases between now and the end of the year. The market is convinced that there will be at least seven interest rate hikes up to one from, you know, basically zero to 25 basis points where we sit today up to one and a half to one and three quarters uh, percent for interest rates by the end of the year. The market is also placing basically a 50-50 chance of a seven interest rate hike cycle between now and the end of the year. The market may be right. I don't know. They don't know. But it's also possible that the market is overestimating the path that the Fed is going to take. And here's the thing. The market has done that quite frequently over the last 10 years. There's a chart. It's going to be in our weekly insight memo uh, so you can see it. I know the podcast isn't the best way to describe this. But Fundstrat put out a piece last week that shows basically the time period from 2009 to 2000 and call it early 17, late 2016, this time period where the Fed really did nothing with interest rates over a very long period of time and overlays on top of that the market's expectation of what the Fed would do on interest rates. And the market just over-exaggerated Fed policy over and over and over again. And we're wrong for eight years, seven years. And so it's very possible the market is over-predicting this as well. And I think the other thing, and we've talked about this as well, but you know, Fed Chairman Powell also talked about how, you know, while the Fed certainly has one lever on f- inflation and the inflation conversation, and that lever is certainly interest rates, there are a lot of natural curbs on inflation as well. And this week we started to see some really good data that some of those natural breaks on inflation are starting to happen. What have we seen? Wait times at major ports in the United States since the beginning of this year have started to drop dramatically. The Newark port, the Savannah port, and the Miami port are all back to their long-term averages. Los Angeles, Long Beach, and Savannah, and Houston, the three biggest ports in the United States, wait times have dropped dramatically In Long Beach and Houston, they're not back to normal, but they're probably down 50%. So we're starting to see very good uh, improvement on what's happening when, when we come to the issues of bringing things into the country. We're also seeing chart after chart, and all of these, again, are going to be in the memo, but we're seeing chart after chart of really good manufacturing data. These things are leading indicators of inflation, but let's just talk about them. The ratio of new orders to inventories for manufacturers, has started to turn south. 
the cost manufacturers' prices paid has started to turn south. Manufacturers' suppliers' deliveries started to turn south. Manufacturers' order backlog started to turn south. All of these are leading indicators of inflation. And all of these we would anticipate. I mean, they've taken a far enough turn south. This is not a, a glitch. This is something that's starting to happen. So we're starting to see significant improvement on the supply side. But the other thing is the demand side. And, and you know, we, we always refer to this. You know, what is inflation? Inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So we just talked about the too few goods, that what the manufacturers are able to deliver and how quickly they can get it into the United States. But on the dollar side, the big issues that are driving inflation right now are really durable goods. So this is not a sticky piece of inflation as we talked about last week, but but these are substantive items that people are buying. So these are cars, furniture, appliances. That's that's what durable goods are. If you look at durable goods spending beyond normal. So if if you know, if you look at a $100 baseline, everybody spends $100 a year. That number had spiked to almost $130 uh, back in late 2021. Today, that number is back down to about $105. So we have seen a huge contraction, and that charts from BCA Research also in the memo. We've seen a huge contraction in what consumers are spending on goods, non-durable goods too, frankly. You know, that's a good sign. That's a very good sign as well. So the natural breaks on inflation are starting to happen, which brings me back to the Fed's uh, January meeting. One of the things we did not get in the January meeting was a dot plot. Frequent readers of the Insight memo are familiar with the dot plot. We've kind of beat up on the dot plot as a predictor in the past, but the dot plot lays out what the members of the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee believe to be the path of inflation and the path of interest rate increases over the course of the next one year, two year, five year, et cetera, in January. So the market and their idea of six or seven interest rate hikes, they're really making that decision without any guidance from the Fed. Well, in March, in roughly three and a half weeks, March 16th, I believe it is, we're going to get the next dot plot. And investors are going to see just how severe the Fed anticipate rate, rate hikes are going to be. Maybe it will be six or seven rate hikes. I'm not convinced of that, but it's possible. The thing is, though, when we talk about the market, go back to what we started to say at the beginning of this this uh, podcast, the market has already priced that in. It's really one of these situations where if we get the bad news, okay, market already figured that out. But if we get anything better than the bad news, that's going to be very accretive to the market. And so the worst is really maybe already here on interest rate hikes. It, it may be possible that it can only get better from here. So we'll see. Uh, we're going to have to find out. We're going to know on March 16th, but we have kind of a three-week waiting period here until we get real answers and hard data. And if we can suffer through those three weeks, we would argue that just knowing, just removing that uncertainty is going to be very good for the market. Then we move on to the other part of this year's correction. I'm going to call it the Putin correction because he deserves it. The Fed put the, the interest rate conversation in their back pocket at the end of January. Then Putin starts to play around with Ukraine more aggressively, and the market pulls back again. We've said it 100 times. I'll say it 100 times more. Nobody has any idea what, what's going to happen in Ukraine. 
except for Vladimir Putin. He is holding all of the cards right now. But we did see a very interesting chart from our friends at Tiber Kazmala last week. And big shout out to them. Uh, good guys. They passed this along. It's also from Funstrat. But it looks at the last, call it five, big military invasions that have happened. Going back to the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, the Afghanistan War, the Iraq War, and then the Crimean invasion in 2014. And what it points out is that in every one of those cases, there has been a significant dip in the market leading up to the date of invasion. But you know what happens after the invasion? The market takes off. The only really real caveat to that was the Afghanistan war after 9-11, and we would argue that the economic issues surrounding 9-11 and the collapse of the tech bubble might have had some impact on that. But it actually did have a pretty significant positive movement in the market post-invasion. It was the next year after that that the market really suffered. But in the case of Vietnam, in the case of the 1992 Gulf War, or 91, excuse me, in the case of the Iraq War, and in the case of the Crimean Crisis, the market did very, very well after that. So again, the answer is not that war is good. Please don't take me as a warmonger here. The answer is instead that the uncertainty of a potential invasion is what causes the market concern and causes the volatility. Once that uncertainty is eliminated, then all of a sudden the market can get back to work. I would argue, we'll see, it certainly felt over the weekend like we're going to have a pretty clear answer on the Ukraine pretty quickly. And I would argue that we're pretty comfortable to say we're going to have a pretty clear answer on interest rates pretty quickly, three weeks from Wednesday, March 16th. So hopefully we can get these two things in our rearview mirror and we can start focusing on fundamentals again, because the fundamentals of this market actually look pretty good. And we're pretty excited about what can happen in the market if we can get past these two issues that are causing so much uncertainty and concern in the market. So set your calendars. March 16th, we should know about, about Ukraine by then as well. And then hopefully we can move on from this level of uncertainty that is causing so much volatility. That bodes well for the market. It bodes well for the economy. So we'll wrap it up there for this week on the Weekly Insight Podcast. If you'd like any more information, don't hesitate to give us a call at 515-273-1333 or visit us on the website at www.insightwealthgroup.com. We hope you have a great week. Thank you. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered to Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.